this is Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez, and this is the Carrero Podcast. Today, our guest is Alexa Lepp. She is an educator and project-based learning coach from Southern California. She has a bachelor's degree in elementary education and is currently working on getting her master's degree in educational technology. She taught middle school for six years as a humanities and language arts teacher and currently works as a fifth grade teacher in Acton, California. She has also worked with educators across the nation, grades K through 12, on how to integrate PBL into their educational practice. Welcome, Alexa. All right, so welcome. Welcome once again, and let's just start off with with some of the questions that we do have. So what made you want to become a teacher? Uh, what what grade, grade levels do you teach and subjects? Well, hi, thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited, big fan. I've been listening in on the podcast, so awesome. um, I'm glad I can come and talk PBL. Um, <laughs> so I originally became a teacher. Uh, I feel like I've always known I wanted to be a teacher. I have a piece of paper from when I was in first grade um, that literally has a picture of me and it says, I want to be a teacher. And that's consistent all throughout that's elementary cool. school. Yeah, that. I've always known. So that's been somehow my guiding factor. And then when I was in fifth grade, my mom actually became a teacher and I was on the track system. So I could go to her uh, classroom and be amongst her and just see how she interacted with her students. And honestly, that was one of my huge factors into wanting to become a teacher because I saw the relationship she built with her students. And I just thought, I want to do that. Like I already knew I wanted to teach, but that was one of my huge, huge, huge propellants into um, why I do what I do now. Um, so currently I teach fifth grade. This is my second year uh, teaching fifth grade, but for the past six years, I've also taught in a middle school. So sixth through eighth grade. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was mostly sixth grade. And then there a few of those years, it was also online teaching. So it was a pretty busy. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're so you're saying as a as a teacher you were you've taught well, while you're teaching fifth grade now you've taught middle school but then you were also an an online teacher yes and a project based wow. learning coach all at wow. the same time yeah all at the same time <laughs> awesome wow That's pretty <laughs> I was oh yeah I'm very I love what I do to hopefully there the was least. some overlap so that way you know it wasn't redoing too much of the work exactly yep <laughs> exactly so so how was the how was online teaching? Um, I was honestly, I loved it. So it was very yeah. interesting because the students I had were middle school and uh, I would design projects based off of what I was doing in my classroom um, and I would create those online. So I would do, uh, we'll go into those projects later, but Adventures of an Author, um, I did Road to the Revolution, a, a bunch of different online classes. And so uh, it was a really fun time. It was um I I would love to like go back and do that again because it's it was I feel like I would be even better this time but I, I loved what I did back then and uh, so you were yeah, teaching was, students like younger kids yeah. online okay cool that's mm -hmm. that's awesome yes mm -hmm. well cool so and then so is, is that why you are now pursuing your master's in ed tech. So that actually came a few years ago. I had a few students um, who had dyslexia. And what happened was I would go to one-on-one -on -one trainings with a consultant. So they would teach me how to use ed tech to be able to support universal design for learning. And 
one of the consultants after I did this for about two years with her to really dive in deep. And she told me, you should really consider going to get your master's in ed tech. This is right up your alley. You love doing it. Um, and I realized she was right. And it was just something that I've always been passionate about. I've always helped other teachers, you know, try to investigate technology and say, okay, how can we go deeper with technology? How can we dive in and uh, design learning so that fits every student? And, you know, the glorious thing about the digital age is that we have these supports now. So, um, I actually signed up to get my master's literally two days before the first day of school. I found out (laughs) of my master's program. So I found out, I walked into the teacher's lounge and there was this Concordia, you know, university ed tech, come see what we're about, come to this training. And it was the next day. And uh, I talked to my husband and I said, hey, call me crazy, but this presentation's the next day. Do you mind if I go like see? And he's like, oh, do it. You've always talked about doing it. So I go and at the presentation, she goes, it starts in two days. And I thought, (laughs) well, no time like the present. (laughs) Exactly. Let me just jump on in. Why not? And I've loved it ever since. I'm so happy that I did it. It's And so you're able to take and work your philosophy and your experience and apply it your master's, what you're doing into that, into your classes currently. So can you tell us a little bit about your philosophy and how those things complement each other? Yes. So I love project-based learning. I love the whole child. Um, So that means teaching social, emotional, and academic. I was very lucky so that my first job that I got as a teacher was all about teaching the whole child uh, with the vehicle of project-based learning. Um, So I believe that they're all intertwined um, and I believe in brain-based education. So uh, thinking outside the box, taking risks, constant reflection, uh, and that really our students are the drivers of their education while I'm the facilitator and the designer of how they can navigate education. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, other than doing the design, the background stuff, that's where the work from the teacher comes. But when you're like in the classroom and the kids are the driver, it's so much easier to be teaching and a teacher in that type of a classroom. It really is. And they they're incredible. The things that they come up with and think of. I'm, I just always think I, I could never have thought of that. Well, yeah. I guess growth mindset, never say never. But at the same time, they thought of it first. I'm right. like, that's a great idea. Let's run with that. Sure. So can you tell um, us a little bit about one of your favorite projects that you've created and uh, what they did with it? Okay. So in middle school, um, there's actually two. There's one that I just, I absolutely love, and it's called the Game of Life Project. So where I come from, um, we, I taught language arts and uh, humanities, while my partner teacher taught math. But it wasn't strictly I just taught humanities, language arts, he just taught math, and our other partner taught science. It was all intertwined. So one of the projects that um, we decided to do was called Game of Life, and it's all about financial literacy. So the students would get a job, and uh, they would basically budget their income and have uh, all financial planning and they would get a life event after they've you know paid rent they've gotten a car they have their job so they kind of understand how to budget their money then they would get this life event 
and <laughs> the life event could be, hey, you had twins, or hey, uh, you lost your job. So is this based oh. off of that game with the like the wheel yes. and the car and the little people? The game of life? Man. Yes, the game of life. I love yeah. this. This is like way better. This is like 10 times better than that game. Exactly. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Wait till you hear the stories of like what happened to some of the students okay. who are like, I lost my job. I have twins. I don't have a car. I can't get to my job. <laughs> You're like, it's it's awesome. and this is the so game wonderful. of life. <laughs> yep, exactly. Right. Oh, so cool. each year they would go through different life events and they would have to adjust according to what happened that year. Um, and at the end of the project, uh, well, before I go there, one of the greatest parts was that my partner teachers and I, we would literally put up our own budgets. I would put up my, my own um, money. Wow. I would put up my bills. He did the same. Um, he would talk about his home loan, his uh, everything. Cool. Um, while I did the same. And we said, okay, here's what we got. What do you recommend? Uh, like, how can we uh, budget this so that I'm saving more money? Because uh, the whole point of the project was how can I make financial decisions, you know, to save money. And I was known, we had a Starbucks right in the same parking lot as our school. I was known for having my Starbucks and my little snack every single day walking mm-hmm. in. And they were like, no. Yeah. Oh, it was great. <laughs> but not great financially. They pointed right. out, they're like, you know, every day you've been coming in five days a week for the past month. And this is how much you spent. Wow. And I was like, I get it. You're absolutely right. But it kind of actually helped me understand, like, you know, this really is real life. Like, these are my funds. I am spending that much money right now. And their recommendation was for me to adapt that and say, if you bought this coffee and use your Keurig in your classroom, you'd be saving this much money instead. So I did that. So for their project, uh, or a presentation of learning. So this is the end. Uh, it's called a POL. Uh, this is how they demonstrated their whole process. And it's meant to go beyond the teacher's desk. What they had to do was they took their family's income and their family's bills. They did the same process that we kind of facilitated on the board and they did it with their family and their process or their POL had to be a financial plan for their parents. Wow. So they dressed up for the event. They had a financial portfolio. Um, wow. One so of my cool. absolute favorite So wait, projects. they're fifth graders. Those were sixth graders. Still. Oh, it's sixth. <laughs> yeah. Insane. I know, right? It's all the same at that point. Wow. No, that's cool. So what, did, so what did like your day-to-day classroom look like as they were working through this project? So I had an amazing partner teacher. We were, we both collaborated just so well and, you know, we're still friends. Um, so what, what would happen was, yeah, it, that was for six years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and so we would design our day. It wasn't blocked off like, okay, for this hour, it's math or this hour, it's language arts. We really blended it. So since I was the language arts person, I would teach the language arts through the math lens. So it was all about reflecting and writing. Hey, why did you make this financial plan? Explain that to me. Um, So I would be facilitating math and then uh, I would have some of the kids while he would have some of the kids as well as our other partner teachers. Should we kind of rotate in workshops Mm -hmm. so that they could um, understand each different aspect of that project? There were even some days where we were all working on budgeting at the same time and um and the, or we would all be writing. So it really depended on the day. It was very flexible. 
That's that's really cool because that is the way that these subjects exist in life, in the game of life. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't go and say, I'm going to do math right now. And then you go and balance, you know, your right. accounts and your budget and stuff. You like uh-huh. you're just like, oh, I have this bill. OK, let me look at how much money is in my account and that kind of thing. So that's that's yeah. really a fun way to address all of the curriculum, the cross-curricular content. That's great. Oh, yeah. It was so great. I I think that's – so that has to be my other one or my first one. Mm -hmm. And it was just incredible. It was really fun to do. My second favorite project was called – at the time, it was called Storybird because I used the website storybird.com. Yeah, I used to use that. I realized Mm – yes. Oh, my gosh. I loved it. Mm -hmm. So – now I call it adventures of an author. So essentially a problem within project-based learning, it's always good to take a problem and have that be, you know, the driving force. Like, how do I want to address this? I had many students who came to me hating reading, hating writing. They, they hated it. So my mentor at the time told me, you know, sometimes within PBL, a mistake is that everything has to be like, how do I change the world? When sometimes there's a problem right in your classroom that you can address that can go out to the community. And I just thought, hey, the problem in my classroom is they hate reading and writing. How can I address that? Yeah. So um, what I did is I created this project where they basically become authors and they go over the writing process over and over. We would Skype, um, we Skyped an author from London who gave her feedback on like, how do I, or how do you create an effective plot? What does that look like? What are your characters? What are their um, pros and cons of that character? And they would also, I also had authors come in a lot to the classroom to get their feedback. So it was really great. Where did you connect with these authors? Like, how did you find these people or did you just... Google them and tweet them and say, hey, come and talk to my kids. <laughs> well, well, that's one way, tweeting. Yeah. I, I love Twitter. That's a great way to reach mm-hmm. people. Others, I would honestly send an email to families across our school and saying, hey, I'm looking for an author. Yeah, I have cool. you know, these dates available or I'm flexible. Can you come in and talk to my class? And mm-hmm. you know, they would connect me with these authors and they, oh. they were all just so wonderful to come in and say, let's do it. I think this is awesome. Awesome. And so then I imagine this um, English author had an English accent and so your students probably loved hearing that as well that's cool and then that's really just a good way to make it a global community as well and then embracing the community of your school and your classroom and reaching out I love that networking part and then Mm -hmm. again just reiterating that piece how you're saying teaching that whole child so bringing in their experiences and their family and all of that fun exactly yeah and they would present so the the pol was they would go to a local um bookstore we did barnes and noble at the time um for i think the four years we did it there so we did barnes and noble and then they would sell their book and now one of my former students he's now selling his book it's called galactic swashbucklers by chase Oliveras. if you want to look it up go ahead he yeah years later he decided to take that story independently and he decided to publish it on his own. And, wow. and now he's in high school. So it's just so great to see like how they can take a passion of theirs mm-hmm. and extend upon it later in life. Wow. Okay, That's so, so cool. One of the things in which we were, in which Malia and I were, were looking at, um, speaking about passions, mm-hmm. uh, you you have something called your baseball project. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and me being a real baseball fan with like a real team and... <laughs> Malia, well, 
we don't want to say who she roots for, but um, <laughs> tell us about that. Tell us about your baseball project. Sounds good. So once again, where where I come from, it was very collaborative. I worked, um, I was the language art side of uh, this team. And the math guys, they were our sports fanatics. They're incredible. So one of the mistakes that we used to do is we used to build projects. This was like my first or second year teaching. We were all very new to PBL. And we kept asking, how does math fit into this? Like, how does it, uh, and most of the times it was scale model or it, it was that repeating thing over and over again. And the baseball, the fantasy baseball project was the first project where we decided wait, I think we're thinking about this wrong. Let's think about this a different way. Instead of trying to fit math into everything else and having the same thing of, okay, scale model, what if we make math um, the center and try to fit whatever else that authentically fits within that instead of trying to fit every subject into one thing that doesn't authentically fit in the real world? So... Um, they came up with this idea. Uh, we did some research and I actually am not a huge baseball fan. I'm a huge soccer fan. So I understand the athletic side of it, but I had just watched Moneyball. So oh, they, okay. yes. So they were talking about statistics and data because we were teaching seventh grade at the time and um, they're the math guys. So they came up with this idea um, by doing some research and they thought, wait, stats are all on fantasy baseball cards. What if we were to use that? And I was like, wait, I understand Moneyball. I just watched it. Let's go with this. <laughs> so I was able to come up from that angle, but they really really did an incredible job um, getting those students to just dive into data and understand, you know, the vocabulary of it and um, what each of those uh, different stats meant on the card. How did they find those stats? How do you adjust it according to how you're playing? And the kids just absolutely loved it. You know, um, they're, the guys thought uh, to come up with the teachers that I'm talking about, they thought, hey, what if our POL was a um, the World Series? So the parents came in and the kids were playing against the parents and it was like a little tournament. Wow. Yeah, so it was, it was wonderful. It was really fun to see and... I want I want to do these projects and take these I know. projects. <laughs> I want I'm to so learn glad. about the That's statistics the in baseball. So, mm-hmm. so, so is that a little bit reflective, that process, how you revise that baseball um, unit or project? Is that pretty um, reflective of how you revise your other projects that you do throughout the school year, too, where you just sort of, like, see issues and then get come together and sort of reflect and research and adapt it? So I think there's a few elements to that. That is absolutely one of them. Um, Another is I love to get the student's perspective or the learner's perspective on it. So at the end of every project, uh, we give a a reflection to say, hey, how did it go? What do you recommend in future? Um, And actually, one of the ideas for the Game of Life project that one of the students had was, what if we bring in credit scores? That's a real life thing. And that Mm. would totally go with sixth grade. And we were like, what? What a great thought. So I think students' uh, reflection is a really important piece for uh, teachers, facilitators to be able to take in Mm -hmm. um, and adjust according to what they say. I also think it's important to, before you launch into a project again, is to go through a project protocol. So once you have your project, 
present it to other teachers and uh, see, you know, I likes, I wonders, uh, and next steps. So see what they recommend as well. Um, because each year I've never done the same project the same way. Ah. It's always adapted. Do you have a pretty good group of teachers that you can bring your projects to that give you some feedback like that? Yeah. So you have a pretty good community of teachers at your school that do that? Yes. And so at my new school, um, because I went from a charter school to a public school. So and this is my second year at the public school. So where I come from, it was a very um, big culture of project-based learning. Everyone did project-based learning. Um, and now at my new school, I'm one of the very few who do it. However, it's still, they still have such great insights to ideas. And I could say something like, hey, I have this idea for this. What do you think about it? And they offer great suggestions back. And I also think, you know, using online resources um, like Twitter. Yeah. The other, a few weeks ago, I had a driving question that I was stuck on. And I'm like, I, I cannot, I really want some feedback on that because I think the driving question is one of the hardest things to create. Yeah. Uh, just because it's your, your um, driving lane mm-hmm. to get you to the end. And, um, I got in contact with a few people and they gave great advice and I finally got it. So I I really think Twitter, thank goodness for our digital age. Let me tell you, (laughs) there's always ways to make connections. Yeah. And and let's, let's talk about that. Um, Well, first of all, what's your, what's your twiddle, twiddle, what's your (laughs) Twitter handle? Just so that people can follow you. um, Alexa Lepp. So A-L-E-X-A-L-E-P-P. Okay, um, thank you. And then, with with everything that you've that you've been learning through your through your masters and and through going going through PBL, can you can you talk about um, your role as a PBL coach? Um, yes. What are you doing? What are you seeing? What are some of the questions that your colleagues are asking? Um, so I am so thankful that I'm able to teach and be a PBL coach. I really do think they go hand in hand and it's it's wonderful to be able to do. And one of the questions I hear most often is what about the standards? That's, sure. that's a one thing that always comes up. So I think there's different ways to coach. Um, and one of those avenues is to say, okay, so if we're focused on the standard, what's the real world application that relates to that standard? Where do you see it? That way they can understand how things can tie in together um and they can see like you know these math projects i'm talking about where do we see it in the real world so i try to really if that's the focus of that teacher i try to say okay how can we take what they know and kind of build upon that to um, build something that they love because i think that's really important when you're building a project with the uh, teacher is that they are passionate and that they think their kids are going to be passionate about that project. Because if you're not feeling passionate as a teacher, it's really hard to get kids to buy in as well. Yeah. Sure. And that mm-hmm. thing that you said about the standards, when we had Nick Pattison on here, he said the same thing. Like, teachers always worry about the standards. And you can't help it. It's, you know, it's pushed. But um, yeah. he said they just sort of come out in the wash. Like, don't worry about it. Like, they just happen. Yeah. So, right. They just... Some naturally just fit in and you're like, oh, great. But if it doesn't, don't not do something Mm -hmm. because it's not in your standards. Like even if you're hitting one standard, but it brings in so many other elements of life, 
that's what we want. We want a well-rounded whole child to be able to leave so that they feel confident in themselves and they feel um, just happy about what they're doing because those are kids who want to just be lifelong learners. And also just lasting impacts like your your one student who went and self-published the book that he started in your class. Like that's that's the stuff we're after, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So then, Alexa... um, where do you see education now and where would you like to see education in five or 10 years? So I have, I feel like I have an interesting perspective on this only because I come from a charter that was very progressive. And so I'm thinking like, Oh, this is going on everywhere. (laughs) You know, this style. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then I come to where I am now and I absolutely love it. But what I do find is like, you know, I think, it's so important that we educate teachers into seeing like what's out there, what, what could they do? Um, and so I see education in five years, you know, teachers care, they want to do well. And with this digital age happening, um, I'm hoping that we can continue to change because without change, you wouldn't have butterflies, right? You know, we want mm-hmm. those butterflies and we want to continue. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I, I recently heard that in a movie and I was like, that is awesome. What a beautiful way to think about change. Right. So I do hope that, you know, as we move on with education, that we're continuing to develop and become lifelong learners because we don't know what these kids are going, you know, they say that the job's that are going to be there in five to 10 years or aren't what we have now. So I do think that we should prep our students to be adaptive, flexible, uh, critical thinkers, and creative. That way they can be innovators to be able to be the change that we need. Yeah, so the collaboration piece too is key. And I'm just thinking back to yes. your budget um, your budget project. And I'm wondering how did you, because you had them work out their own family's budgets, but did you still have them do some sort of collaboration and working together through some of those problems in that project? Yes, they had to get married and combine and, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, I bet they loved that. Yes. And then some of them Seven did things. have, you know, to separate. Yeah, and they some of, we had to be very specific, like, this isn't like married, married. This is just a collaboration <laughs> piece. And so <laughs> it was fun. That would be oh, fun. Man. Yeah, that way they learned like, okay, you've done this independently. Now let's bring it together. Um, so it was fun to do. So, okay, I, I'm just going to be honest. You you seem like a very inspirational type of teacher. Um, you. you you have all this life, and um, naturally, I've been following you on 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 Twitter, and I and I see everything that you're that you're doing. Um, was there a teacher or or teacher that really inspired you when when you were going to school and why what what did they do so most of the teachers that i remember like i said my mom she's probably number one because of that relationship aspect that she built so i take different lessons from some of my favorite teachers so hers i would have to say relationship um it's what i gained from that The second teacher that I'm thinking of, uh, she was my high school psychology teacher. And she helped me understand that, you know, it's more than what you see. Like there's a deep side to every person and to create understanding for those people. So that's the second lesson I take. Um, Another teacher who's uh, also a high school teacher, she was my history teacher. Um, She, 
currently I still follow her on Facebook and she's all about paying it forward and doing things and kindness. Like right now she has this huge thing going on for kindness where she's, you know, getting kids to donate and give back to their community. And I think that's so powerful. And I felt that when I was in her class and just seeing how it is nowadays, um, it's just incredible. Uh, And then my fourth grade teacher was all about creativity and thinking outside the box. And I've carried with that, that with me ever since. So I like to say those are like my four pillars that um, each one I take a different lesson from to create who I am. So then if there's a future teacher within your classroom, what do you hope that they gain from you? I hope that they gain a sense of, okay, I hope they understand that adapting and creativity um, are really essential and to understand that students, they're people too. And, you know, they have a past. Sometimes we don't know what they're going through. And sometimes you never know if you're that change that they needed to just turn their life around and to use um, their passions, you know, get out of that textbook (laughs) because life is around us. Like I, I don't, I didn't learn to teach just from a textbook. Like I learned by doing. So I think that's important for someone who came into my classroom to teach them, you know, you have kinesthetic learners, you have auditory learners, you have visual learners. How do we design learning? So it meets all their needs and they just feel so successful and empowered. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. The way you sum that up. So if there is a teacher out there that wants to get started doing PBLs, doesn't know where to start, how to begin, what would you tell them? Oh, let's talk. That's what I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's so follow it. you on Twitter. And uh, yeah, okay, yeah. that's good. That's comforting. Yes. You're going to get like 500 people hitting you up now. But <laughs> let's do it. That's I'm, okay. I'm so, I absolutely love helping others like with this. I it's one of my favorite things is to talk PBL and just develop amazing projects. Cause you just see the kids and like teachers kind of stand a little bit higher and a little prouder. Mm-hmm. And so do the kids. They just walk away feeling so empowered and happy. And that's really what we need. So mm-hmm. do you share your projects that you um, like your lesson plans, like that whole project with other teachers and stuff that they're looking for, you know, a place to get started to or. Yes, sometimes we can be very protective of it. So, (laughs) no, no, I I give everything for free. I Uh really do. I have a creative classroom Facebook page. Okay. Um. So yeah. So and you'll find me. It's Alexa Lep on there, but it's called the Creative Classroom. And um, I literally I have a design guide that I do for every project, and I hyperlink everything. So I've just started utilizing that to share out um, how like developing projects that way they understand like oh this is what I can do this is where it is so I try to share everything on there and encourage others to share there too wow that's that's amazing and that's probably a good place for someone to start if they just don't know where to start is to look at your Facebook page that's great um, so is there anything that we didn't ask you that you want to share with us or anything that um, any projects or anything that students have said to you in these projects that have really stuck that kind of feel your fire? I think one of the biggest things is, um, so I've been teaching for eight years and most of them remember 
you know, they come up to me and they'll remember like, oh my gosh, remember the book I made? Remember you said this? Or <laughs> they, they just feel so proud of what they do. But it's all about to like, um, you know, today I ran into a student. It's so funny because she was at my last school and uh, they came singing and caroling today. And I saw her and I, and she goes, you know, my former name is Miss Hale before I got married. So she's like, Miss Hale. And I looked at her and I go, oh my gosh, hi. Like, and I, recognized her and um so we talked and they're just catching up with her but i think it's you know they are just so happy and they feel confident in themselves and what what didn't work for them previously worked for them through project-based learning no matter what type of learner they were it was structured so they felt successful and confident um so i think that's one thing that i treasure most and that one thing that i have heard a lot from them like i loved you know being there I miss being there. I love learning. You can't get any better than that. Yeah. You really you really yeah. have to love learning to be a teacher because that's what you're selling. That's the product we're selling, right? It's right. learning. Correct. Yes. Right. So okay, so just to reiterate, you can be found on Twitter at Alexa Lep. And then you mm-hmm. also are Alexa Lep on Facebook with your creative classroom with all of your projects. Um, any yes. other social media mediums that you share or want to share? I also have Instagram, so if you, uh, it's the same thing, Alexa Lep. I like to keep it consistent, you know? <laughs> I like it. So <laughs> they can find me also on Instagram, Alexa Lep. Great. Fred, awesome. anything you want to add yet? No, except thank you. Um, you know, just uh, thank you for for everything that you're that you're doing, uh, because I think once once teachers understand their their community and that they're uh, they have a wealth of knowledge. Then, then everyone learns. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think what you what you said it you know you said it very passionately that once once students understand that they have a voice, then they could do anything. That's absolutely right. That's true. I, love it. I had a student tell me I'm going to change the world. And I said, Yeah, you are. I that love was it. Two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, good. it's great. Yeah. And tell them to check back in with you when they do. So <laughs> agreed. Yes. So we know. Say, hey, I'll have a podcast you guys can go on. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much, Alexa. And if you want to follow us on our social medias, you can. It's edX Global, both on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Optimist Malia, O P T I M I S T M A L I A, on Twitter. And we also have a Facebook for edX Global. Thanks so much for listening. And if you feel so inclined, write us a review and share with your friends. Take care and go make a change in the world. Thanks, Alexa. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye.